This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. than most people probably realize, the eyes of the nation turn to New York. New York is the media center of the world. I consider it to be the capital of the world. It's certainly the empire state. But if you're interested in politics, more importantly, if you're interested in governing, the eyes of the world were on New York State yesterday because of the hotly contested special election in New York's 3rd Congressional District. If you're listening around the country This district includes a sliver of New York City, Queens, but it's uh, mostly Nassau County, which is out on Long Island, very suburban. This was a race that both the Democrats and the Republicans had poured millions into. And uh, this was a race that both of them targeted and see as a bellwether of what's going to happen in the fall. Two days ago, oh, we forgot the person who made this a national race, uh, George Santos. George Santos was thrown out by Congress, Democrats working with the Republicans to throw him out. And uh, two days ago, George Santos was on this program. He said that um, even he would not be voting in the race. And look, who could blame him for being a little bit bitter? But he cited the fact that Mozzie Pillup, the Republican candidate, was a registered Democrat as why he didn't want to vote. But yesterday... I had on uh, Governor David Patterson, who I asked his opinion on the race. Not only was he a governor, not only did he live out in Nassau County when he was growing up, but he used to be the chairman of the Democratic Party for New York State. He knows a thing or two about special elections. This is what he said. Let's compare his prediction yesterday to reality. It is true that Joe Biden won this congressional uh, seat in the 2020 election by eight points over Donald Trump. However... Kathy Hochul lost that congressional seat to Lee Zeldin Mm. by 12 points. Wow. Now, when you're having a special election, probably the most important thing is name recognition. On that one, Swazi would obviously win. He's been a congressman. He's been county executive. He's run for governor. Everybody knows who he is. But the other issue, and this would be the important one for tomorrow, is getting the vote out. Ultimately, Patterson said he thought Republicans had a good chance of winning it, but he gave the edge to Tom Swazi, and it looks like Governor Patterson was correct. Uh, joining me in studio is a man who knows more about New York state politics than anyone who has ever lived. Uh, my colleague, veteran broadcast journalist, radio talk show host on WABC in New York, Dominic Carter. Dominic, were you surprised at the results? I I agree with Governor Patterson that um, that Miss Pillup had a really good opportunity here to win, but I was giving the edge to Tom Swazi mm-hmm. because Tom Swazi he's almost an incumbent, right? right? So because he represented this district before, and he's a smooth uh, politician, smooth as they come. And uh, but she had tagged him really well with the with the uh, immigration issue Mm -hmm. and the migrant issue. And he was on the ropes and he was demanding more debates, more debates. And I thought she had a shot, but she was not 
she was not a polished that that's the word I'm looking for. She's not a polished uh candidate or politician. It showed badly. Edge in my mind went to Swazi and he won. I believe the Republicans chose poorly in terms of their candidate. Agree. Here. You, agree. you agree with that? I agree with you a thousand percent. One of the things that I'm seeing some Republicans say is that the weather was a factor. The fact that it was. There was you, so it was. You, do you think the if it had been a, a beautiful, clear day that uh, Pillup could have won this seat? Possibly. Uh, the bottom line is, is this, Frank Morano, the Republicans were dealt a bad hand for this special election. You had days and days and days of early voting. Edge went to Democrats mm. on day of actually turning out where more Republicans are expected to vote. You had a major store st- snowstorm on Long Island in Queens impacting the vote possibly driving down the vote. So advantage went to Democrats with the uh, early voting on the day of the actual election, uh, disadvantage went to Republicans. Which is what I think the the other thing that the Republicans have been doing very poorly, not only in this election, but a lot of elections around the country, is they they kind of reinforce this idea that early voting is rigged, that early voting can't be trusted, rather than do what the Democrats have done in this race and in other Agreed. races, have a robust early voting Agreed. operation. Agreed. I think if they're going to win elections, they have to change their whole strategy, their whole mentality in early voting. Agreed. And it could have could have made a major difference in this race. She's down. She lost by, I believe it's, and this is a fluid number. It's about nine percentage points that she Looks lost that by. Way, yeah. And it, it could have been a very different, uh, different outcome. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens with this race in November. I don't think the Republicans are going to nominate her again in November. I, I don't see how they can. Mm-hmm. I don't see how they, it, 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 no offense to her. She's photogenic, but she was a bad candidate. Right. And, and you know what? One of the things that I heard from people that were pretty conservative, you know, first of all, Santos obviously put that aside because he's got a little bit of bitterness. But a lot of people who share his politics, they didn't like that she was a registered Democrat. They didn't like that it took her until a couple of days ago to say that she voted for Trump in 2020, whereas, you know, she was kind of I mean, Swazi did this, too. He didn't want Biden campaigning for him. He was running not as a Democrat, but as Tom Swazi or, or Governor Hochul. Right. Of New exactly. York. Exactly. Uh, so I, w- I do think that uh, the Republicans are going to be better off in the fall with a different candidate. We'll see what happens. But now the problem for Republicans is that Swazi's the incumbent oh, yeah. now. And sure. it's, as you know, Frank, it's very hard to beat an incumbent. But but before you show me the door here, I got an important question for you. I'm ready. Happy Valentine's Thank Day, you, my number friend. one. And I think you're going to talk about this uh, later. But, Rachel, what what are you doing okay. for well, her today? I went. I went – uh, and she's hopefully asleep right now. If she's not asleep, because I'm in trouble, we I'll have, tell you why I'm in trouble. We have in a broader few problems. So um, I went conventional. I went with flowers. flowers. I got some roses, and I have them with me because I didn't want them discovered before tomorrow or before later today. And it's going to be just an adventure transporting them home in the car. I'll make sure that that they're yeah, good okay. Good luck with that. And then uh, I got some chocolate as well. Okay, and then, and, and I got a good. more practical gift as well, which I'm going to tell people about later. What about you? So, What's your story? So I'm in trouble because uh, in Rockland County, New York, where I live, we had about seven to eight inches of snow. Okay. And um, and I was not outside shoveling today. So I got the roll of the eyes, right, <laughs> as, as I was leaving to come to work early. I'm like, hon, it's election day. I, you know, I, I got to go. And she just rolled her eyes and she goes, oh, well, you know, the driveway 
um, <laughs> uh, has not been shoveled. I'm like, uh, well, I'll do it tomorrow. Then I get another roll of the eyes. So I, but now Valentine's Day, right? Now maybe maybe I'm a square here because my daughter is a mother, so I have to get her something. Right. Because if I don't get her something, then I'll never oh, hear the end of it. No doubt. She lives in Rhode Island. So so and then and then my wife says, don't buy me and your daughter the same gifts. So I'm like, oh. You know, because I just want to get the same gift on Amazon <laughs> one time, deliver it on time, and that's that. So I got these flower things. You know, it's like a, my wife doesn't really like flowers. So it's like a, a roses thing that can last for up to a year. Okay. All right. Got, well, that's nice. Got a different uh, a variation no, a for my daughter. Candles a good gift. Candles. No, always I always give her candles, and she, you know, I don't want her to burn down the house. And yeah. so then I bought her, I bought her this. Um, I'm big on tailgating, even though I've never done it before. Mm-hmm. So I bought her this big, like, wrap, uh, uh, like a big towel wrap, and it says Mama Bear on the back. I and, like that. That's cool. You know, so and then my daughter will get her stuff. I, I don't know, Frank. You know we can never win. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, it's also Ash Wednesday today. I don't know the last mm. time uh, Valentine's Day fell on uh, Ash Wednesday. Do you get ashes usually? No, you don't no. get it. Uh, so I'm d- going to have to do a little flower delivery. Got to deliver flowers to my mom also, but also got to find time to go and get ashes today. And I'm oh, wondering... Boy. What makes a bigger difference to people's daily routine today, whether it's Valentine's Day or Ash Wednesday? If you got to do something for both, it could be quite a quite an adventurous day. Uh, us men can't win That's for sure. on Valentine's Day. That's for day. sure. Hey, I just put a poll up on Twitter if people want to vote. What makes uh, more of a difference to your daily routine, uh, Valentine's Day or Ash Wednesday? Meantime, have you seen the note that's in the refrigerator? I have. You, I, was, I wasn't going to bring okay. it up unless you did. Okay, so I'm going to share this note on my Facebook page now if people want to check it out. Busted. Um, it's uh, facebook.com slash moranofan. It's facebook.com slash moranofan. Uh, The note says, uh, verbatim, the note says, (laughs) to the food thief, you will be caught and should be ashamed of taking food that is not yours. Come clean or you'll be outed. First of all, I've come clean on the radio. I'm not not hiding. You have. Second. I never would. What this, this note fails to keep in mind is that on the front of the refrigerator is a very stern warning saying all food must be labeled. You've got your yogurt and stuff there. It says Dominic on it. Nobody's touched it. Elias is smartened up. He's now labeling his sandwiches. Um, you know, we have uh, the fellow that's in from Matt Blaze tonight. He had this, some weird soup concoction that was labeled. None of that ever got touched. So I added another lo- note no. underneath this no. saying, with an index card, I didn't have tape, Uh-oh. It was saying unlabeled food only will be taken. Oh, so boy. we'll see but how wait, that goes. But wait. I, 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 I am a, you're about to show me the door, but how do you know, Mr. Morano, what everybody's meal is in the fridge? No, it's, it's a, well, well, I check, sure it's labeled. <laughs> if the good stuff is not labeled, I have to check. Oh boy. So you do realize this conversation will be exhibit A against you, right? I, I, I trust me, the number of things that I've gotten in trouble for, uh, you know, I, I think I am adhering to the company policy. The company policy is make sure you label your food. Put hey, your name man, and date on it. You are a genius, but I'll let you fill in the other part. Okay, so, you are a genius. Right, you well, really are. But when it comes to food in the refrigerator, you've got issues, my I, brother. Look, the people need to learn to label their food. <laughs> That's it. Simple as that. Does that look like Curtis's handwriting? I couldn't tell if he was busting my chops. But, is what, that? but what if that's from HR? 
Well, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think it might be? Yes. Oh, boy. All right. It could be from HR, Mr. Morano. Well, then, you You know. You know, they say people that are geniuses, sometimes they're off with a little thing. I mean, this guy is smart as hell on everything I know. But he raids the refrigerator, and he's looking at me now like I got the problem. Well, look, I mean, I think the key is food should be labeled. That's it. Food should be labeled. All right. Oh, boy. Um, All right. Um, I will let the powers that be review the security camera and wait for my inevitable food arrest. But you know what, though? You know, I do put a a lot of food out for everybody from time to time. You do. And I make clear, everybody's welcome to. And you're going to need that that as a defense. Exactly. (laughs) He does. HR, he does. Pizza. Every week he brings in pizza, egg salad, uh, dessert. Boom. uh, Coffee. Boom. uh, uh, Water. Water when there's no water. water. That's right. Yes. So, uh, HR, uh, I, I don't want to be involved. That's but, right. But Mr. Morano does bring in a lot of items. Dominic Carter is a character witness. I, my I, termination oh boy. here. Oh boy. All right. Uh, Dominic, thank you, my friend. <laughs> thank you. Uh, if you want to comment on anything we're talking about, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Vote in that poll. What makes a bigger difference to you today, Valentine's Day or Ash Wednesday? We'll get into a wide variety of subjects, including some advice for the lovelorn coming up next hour. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Step down from the train And there to meet me Is my mama and papa Down the road I look And there runs Mary Hair of gold and lips like cherries It's good to touch the green It's good to touch the green, green grass of home. Tom Jones singing the green, green grass of home. Uh, This is a birthday bumper music dedication to, don't flip out, John A. Jr. Gotti. Yes, that's right. It is uh, John Gotti Jr.'s birthday today. And uh, this song was a a favorite of his father's. And um, when it was played at his daughter's Sweet 16 about eight years ago, he just broke down crying, as did his mother, uh, Victoria. So I know that song always has had a lot of resonance with him. All right, going to get to your calls in a minute. 800-848-9222. 
Today is Valentine's Day. A lot of folks wonder, and we're going to get into if you don't have a sweetheart or somebody to spend the day with, we're going to assemble an expert panel next hour who is going to help you, you know, help you kind of get through the day and maybe even answer your questions. So that's coming up a little later. Now, Valentine's Day is not one of these days like Columbus Day observed or President's Day, which is the second Monday in the third week of whatever. No. Valentine's Day occurs every February 14th across the United States and in other places around the world. You exchange candy, flowers, and gifts. But who is this mysterious St. Valentine and where did these traditions come from? The uh, the spoiler alert, nobody necessarily knows the truth because we're going back to ancient times. But there's most people believe, most scholars believe that St. Valentine is actually two distinct historical characters who were said to have healed a child while imprisoned and then he was executed by decapitation. You never really see that aspect of Valentine's Day highlighted, do you? Nobody ever focuses on the decapitation that was so important to the root of this holiday. But um, as I mentioned, the origins of the holiday are shrouded in mystery. But February has long been celebrated as a month of romance. And St. Valentine's Day contains vestiges of both Christian and ancient Roman tradition. But who was this St. Valentine, and how did he become associated with this holiday? The Catholic Church recognizes at least three different saints named Valentine or Valentinus, all of whom were martyred, as back then all the good saints were martyred. One legend contends that Valentine was a, a priest who served during the 3rd century in Rome when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families. So he outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine, realizing the injustice of this decree, defied Emperor Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. Others insist that the person for whom the holiday was named is St. Valentine of Turney, a bishop who was the true namesake of the holiday, but he too was beheaded by Emperor Claudius II outside Rome. Boy, I guess the lesson here is when Emperor Claudius was in charge, you did not want to be named Valentine. Other stories suggest that Valentine may have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons where they were often beheaded and tortured. According to one legend, an imprisoned Valentine actually sent the first Valentine greeting himself after he fell in love with a young girl, possibly his, I mean, that wasn't verboten by that at, at the time at all, possibly his jailer's daughter who visited him during his confinement. And this is the legend that I prefer. Before his death, it's alleged that he wrote her a letter signed from your Valentine, an expression that we still use today. So, look, the truth behind the legend of Valentine's Day is murky. The stories all emphasize 
his appeal as a sympathetic, heroic, and most importantly, romantic figure. By the Middle Ages, perhaps thanks to his reputation, Valentine would become one of the most popular saints in England and France. And uh, it's been celebrated in February for a long time, a long time. Uh, By the middle of the 18th century, it was common for friends and lovers of all social classes to exchange small tokens of affection or handwritten notes. By 1900, printed cards began to replace written letters due to improvements in printing technology. And now you know the rest of the story. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222, Elias, uh, what's your story? Do you have a, a romantic interest in your life? I do. You do? Are you do? What are you doing for Valentine's Day today? Well, she is currently not in the country, so uh, not much, really. Oh, well, you got a little bit of a break then, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. Hey, uh, did you see that note in on the refrigerator? I did, and I immediately knew who it was from. It's from Curtis, right? Uh, from and for, yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Got it. Okay, it is. It is from, no question from Curtis. All right, so I'm not. I'm not worried about getting uh, getting fined or anything. If, uh, if if Curtis is doling out notes, and again, I will. I will advert to my prior statement that I I bring in so much communal food that I think you know it's like uh it's like taxes. You know, sometimes you get a, a rebate. Sometimes you have to you owe. Right? I think it's as simple as that. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Oh, I wanted to play for you this before we get uh, sidetracked talking about everything else. And then uh, those of you that are on hold, I will get to you. You know, I've spent a lot of time talking about the John F. Kennedy assassination. And one of the people that I would love to interview is Marina Oswald. Now she's Marina Oswald Porter. She took another husband after Lee Harvey Oswald. Someone who has been on this show, a terrific journalist, even if you're not into the whole conspiracy thing, he was well regarded as an investigator and a journalist long before he was covering the JFK assassination. And uh, he has this podcast now. It's called the JFK Facts Podcast. And so his name's Jefferson Morley. And when he was moving his home office, he found a shoebox containing a couple of dozen cassette tapes of JFK interviews, all sorts of JFK interviews that he's done over the years. And he nostalgically sifted through these relics of 20th century technology. You remember cassette tapes? I do. I still have a technology to convert them to digital, but you got to take the time to sit there and do it. And he found himself looking at a plastic box labeled Marina Oswald Porter, and he recalled, Jefferson Morley did, something that he had chosen to forget. In the spring of 1996, when he was a reporter at the Washington Post, he had three telephone conversations with the widow of Lee Harvey Oswald, the uh, man who history records as killing JFK, and he was surprised to learn that Marina had to come to, had come to believe her first husband was innocent of the crime that he allegedly committed. So he wanted to write a story about her. He knew the basics. Oswald was, um, you know, an ex-Marine who defected to the Soviet Union, and he married a local girl in Minsk in 1961. The couple moved to the United States in 1962, and by November of 1963, they had two young children and were separated. After Kennedy was assassinated, 
her husband, the chief suspect in the shooting, was murdered on national television. A year later, the Warren Commission posthumously convicts Oswald of killing the president. And in this nightmarish situation, I mean, imagine if this was your husband. But in this kind of situation, Marina did her best to avoid attention. She settled in a small town in Texas. She married a carpenter named Ken Porter, raised a family. And along the way, she changed her mind about her former president's guilt. So Jefferson Morley went back and listened to the tapes, and it all came back to him. His search for a publishable story, her quest for the truth, her treatment by a lot of the sharks in the mainstream media, her untrustworthy lawyers, her impression of Chief Justice Earl Warren and First Lady Jackie Kennedy, and all sorts of other things. Here is a little bit of this conversation. Now, this is from 1996, but it was just republished on the JFK Facts podcast. Here's a little bit of this conversation that Jefferson Morley had with Marina Oswald back in 1996. I think it's very disrespectful uh-huh. for officials not to even come truthful with their own people. That just show, American people should be insulted. Right. That they have been, the truth has been hidden. It always was there. The, uh, what do you call it, LaFontaine didn't invent that. It always was there. The, right. The story about Elrod, the story. Well, the, the little scruples are still laying there. Right. Whether by accident or by sheer perseverance or by your conscience, certain people looking. Right. You know, for those things. And maybe it's just a fascination because the Kennedy was young. But the history haven't been written the right way in the history book and how much more lies there have been there. I found this uh, conversation so interesting because this woman, look, I mean, obviously she doesn't necessarily know if her husband did it or not, but she believes that her husband did not kill the president of the United States. She's one of the most important witnesses in this whole saga, yet her story is largely unknown. And she has not given an interview in three decades. But now with this JFK Facts podcast, and you can check out, they have a YouTube channel, just type in JFK Facts. You can listen to an in-depth conversation that has really never been previously heard. And it was just released yesterday. In this clip, she talks about the importance, what she says is the importance of the truth. When it comes to the Kennedy assassination, most people agree with you that Lee was not the, you know, yeah, but they never could make connections, mm-hmm. you know, why it's important for them to know the truth. See? They think they're doing me a favor. Uh-huh. I'm not saying the researchers who truly research. They see the danger in, for America and those lies. Now, again, uh, because she believes something, that doesn't make it true. I just think it's interesting. Uh, So I figured if I thought it was interesting, maybe some of you would as well. So I figured I'd play it for you. Okay. 800-848-9222. Pamela in New Jersey, what's on your mind? Hi. um, Yeah, with with Mozzie, um, there were some issues that was a turnoff. She was a Democrat, and nobody ever really answered that, and it annoyed people. And uh, she could not communicate, and believe me, she probably knows like three or four languages, so it's not that. But but I could not understand her half the time. She wouldn't answer straight up about her support for Trump. Mm. 
And uh, yeah, and and she just like she she wasn't a you know not that I like polished politicians, but um, she just didn't have it. And I said, oh man, this is going to be a loss. And I knew it. I just knew it. And then the snowstorm. I said, well, there's the final nail in the coffin of this election. There you go. And um, I, I tell you, if the if the Republicans just want to just keep sticking their their foot in it, boy, they just know how to do it. They really know how to do it. Hey, and, uh, and also, they kept pushing that she was a warrior. It, 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 this is New York. These are blue states. People don't like warriors, you know, and uh, that's not my opinion. That's the general opinion. I don't care if it's Nassau County or what. They kept pushing that she was, an, you know, a, a warrior. And right now with the anti-war climate, that was a mistake. Interesting, uh, Pamela. So you weren't surprised, it sounds like, in the least. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, I really wasn't either. I mean, I think Swazi is a strong candidate. I think he would have uh, had a very good chance to win. Uh, and look, Swazi's been on this show. I, I like Swazi, and I think he's the kind of Democrat we need more of in this country, honestly. And I think his focus on the SALT deduction really resonates with people that feel like they're overtaxed. Also, um, the fact that he supported the so-called border bill, which even the Border uh, Patrol Union supported, I think that might have played a role in showing that he was serious about the border. But this is one of those things where even if you like Swazi, the question is, are you voting for Swazi or are you voting for the Democrats? Because by voting for Swazi, you're giving the Democrats another seat and you're making it more likely that they'll take over the House. So you might even be in a situation where and this is the kind of the conflict between party and person. You might even be in a situation where you liked Swazi as county executive. You liked him as a gubernatorial candidate, but you want the Republicans to save to, you know, to, to hang on to the House. So maybe you vote as a little bit of a balance. So you vote for Pillip because she's the Republican nominee. But, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think she ever handled that question about um, why she's a registered Democrat. Well, I mean, I really I still don't know the answer. And I've paid pretty close attention to a lot of these interviews. Uh, Catherine is in New Jersey. Hi, Catherine. Kathleen. Kathleen, even better. What's on your mind? No, no, no. I was just listening to you. And I I just wanted to mention that a really good Carmelite uh, priest friend of mine for like 50 years uh, told me that uh, in the Carmelite church in Dublin, is the heart of St. Valentine. And in the medieval times, what they did was they just sold body parts. You're kidding. Well, no. I mean, I'm not surprised about the selling of the body parts. I am mildly surprised that his church, that his heart is on display in Dublin somewhere. Yeah, yeah, in, in Dublin, yeah. So I just, when I was, you know, uh, doing my, taking off my, I like to call it my war paint, uh, getting ready for bed, and I was listening to you, and I thought, oh, you know, well, I I know this because Father a- Father Ashley told me, and a great Carmelite priest and um, mother from home with my mother in Ireland. And anyway, so you could do your research and find out that this is true. I that is a great idea, Kathleen. Thank you. I'm gonna. Uh, I've never been to Ireland. I I do want to oh, go. And my yeah, we're in the hotel business. There. My, oh yeah, really. My wife wants to go. So if we make it to Dublin, I'm going to see if we can find uh, Saint Valentine's heart. Yeah, well, yeah, we're in the castle business, so you probably want to go to the castles as long as you're in Ireland. So I'll be glad to put you up. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I will definitely take you up on that, Kathleen. I, I appreciate the call and the education. All right, there you go. Thank you, Kathleen. All right, happy St. Valentine. Also, I would hope that you would mention the fact 
that most people who don't know say Valentine's with an M. Most people, well, no, I don't know. I feel like there's a good mix. You hear a lot of people saying Valentine's? Because they don't know any better. Right, okay. Well, we'll, we'll educate them. I think maybe we, uh, we just did. Thank you, Kathleen. All have, right, okay. Hey, what do, you, do you, what do you have planned today? Anything, anything romantic? Oh, of course. Well, of course. let we, us in on it. We go to, like, the best restaurant in New Jersey is in, in uh, 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 East Orange. And, um, you know, it's just a really romantic place to go to. So oh, that's Well, have fun. Have fun, Kathleen. Happy Valentine's Day. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Americans singing Caramia, another uh, John Gotti Jr. favorite on his birthday. A lot of lot of birthdays today, uh, including Mike Bloomberg. Happy birthday, Mike Bloomberg! Hey, uh, we were talking a little earlier about about stealing food from the refrigerator. Here's a story that ended very badly, and I hope my story ends up much better. A diabetic pest controller who stole a chocolate bar to boost his blood sugar, this is out of the UK, was rightly dismissed, a a tribunal found. Jason Galloway secretly swiped the confectionery from a restaurant fridge and ate it when he sensed his sugar levels were running low while working on a job. Mr. Galloway, who has type 1 diabetes, was caught on CCTV closed circuit TV at the food outlet raiding the storeroom and was reported to his employer, Rent-A-Kill. Can we start with that, by the way? Rent-A-Kill, what a great name that is for an exterminator. I love it. Or as they call them in the UK, pest controllers. After he was suspended, Galloway ended up returning to the eatery with two chocolate bars to replace the one he took. Can we pause there? Look, give the guy a break. He didn't take the Clockman Diamond. Once once you're replacing it with two chocolate bars, give him a break. I mean, can't we, in the spirit of being nice to one another, give him a little bit of forgiveness? But his rent-a-kill bosses said theft is theft and sacked him for gross misconduct. Wow. I mean, this is way too extreme. I say this as a fellow food stealer. 
Galloway tried to sue the pest control company for disability discrimination and took them to an employment tribunal in Hull, arguing his sacking was unnecessarily harsh and that he resented being labeled a thief for suffering a hypoglycemic medical episode. However, he lost his case with the tribunal ruling he did nothing to reassure Rent-A-Kill that he would not do the same thing again. The tribunal heard uh, Mr. Galloway had managed his diabetes for around 30 years and had an implant which connected to his phone, allowing him to measure his blood glucose levels. He was required to inject insulin, and when levels dropped too low, he suffered a hypoglycemic episode known as hypos. A tribunal judgment read on April 3rd, 2023, at around 5 p.m., Mr. Galloway had been at a customer premises and had taken and eaten a chocolate bar from a fridge in the storeroom. I really do think this is excessive. I mean, I think it's also a little excessive on his part to sue, but, you know, maybe he needs this job to pay his bills, to feed his family. I mean, those chocolate bars, got they got to get paid for somehow. The bar belonged to a member of staff. The outlet did not sell chocolate bars. Mr. Galloway then bought a meal of noodles from the outlet. He called line management to say he would not finish his calls that day, but he didn't mention the chocolate bar. So clearly, you know, he really was genuinely sick. He was having some sort of an episode. According to the tribunal's report, he did realize he had done something that needed to be put right that night. The outlet managed... Uh, management had reviewed closed-circuit TV footage and concluded he had stolen the bar and reported it to Rent-A-Kill as such. After Mr. Galloway was suspended, he visited the customer premises, taking with him two chocolate bars to replace that which he had taken, telling the customer's manager of his diabetes. The customer then notified Rent-A-Kill and offered apologies, effectively withdrawing the complaint. So the customer who had their chocolate bar stolen, he learned about the situation or she learned about the situation and said, no, 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 okay, we, we don't want any problems here. We understand mistakes happen. He replaced it with two chocolate bars. Fine. So during a meeting about the incident, Galloway shouted and claimed he was being persecuted. You know, that's the other thing. Is uh, Can we cool it with the persecution? Everybody thinks they're being persecuted. A Renekill manager told Mr. Galloway that theft is theft and that the company could not justify theft. Galloway had already been given two warnings for separate matters. Okay, so maybe there was a history here. It was heard at the tribunal. In his defense, Galloway claimed he had a valid reason to steal, adding, I did not choose to have a hypo. It was okay because it was justified. He claimed the company wanted him out because of his diabetes and that there had been a witch hunt. So Jean Valjean, I think, went to prison for 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread. This poor guy, Mr. Galloway, loses his job for stealing a chocolate bar. I think that is really absurd. 800-848-9222. Was he wrong? Absolutely. Was it an emergency? Sounds like it. Does, did he make things right by replacing it with not one but two chocolate bars? You bet he did. Am I going to start doing the Andrew Cuomo thing of asking and answering my own questions? Why not? Best interviewer in the business. Been the best answerer. 800, what do you think? 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Tony, you have a view on this situation? 
it was he wasn't doing he he did it for his health. You know, he he was a diabetic, so he needed something to, to pull his sugar level up. So it, it wasn't a million dollars for Christ's sakes. It was just a candy bar. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, right? no big deal. Elias, what about you? Are you with the consensus on this one? Yeah, I'm with Tony. All yeah, right. Why why make a big deal? Out of exactly, it? exactly. All right, eight hundred eight four eight ninety two. 22-800-848-9222 if you care to comment on this or uh, anything else we have covered this hour. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Ash Wednesday to everybody that is uh, that is celebrating either or both of those. Tony, do you get ashes? Are you an ashes guy? I haven't gotten an ashes in years since I was in Catholic school, so I probably do, do it because I live around a corner from a church. Oh, you will? Okay, all right. Well, so uh, we'll see. I'm trying to figure out, you know, because when you're nocturnal, you have a weird schedule, right? And you're not supposed to wash the ashes. So I'm thinking, you know, I could go get ashes in the morning right after the show, but then I'm I'm basically going to sleep, going right to sleep with ashes all over my face and getting it on the pillowcase. Or, you know, I could do it in the afternoon, right? But then I'm trying to figure out my showering schedule, my my biking schedule. So that's what I'll I'll probably – I'll probably grab them because I got to swing by my mom's um, and give her some flowers on behalf of, uh, you know, my my son. So I'll probably go there. Maybe we'll go and get ashes first and then go over there. Maybe that'll be the plan. 800-848-9222. Hey, you know, tomorrow, you know who's going to be here tomorrow? I got confirmation from him uh, yesterday. Bill O'Reilly. We're going to talk about this Alejandro Mayorkas impeachment. I have to tell you, I think this is just completely absurd because this is going nowhere. This is doing nothing. This is a giant waste of time. And Bill O'Reilly, I have a feeling maybe will set me straight on this. So we're going to get into that and a few other items. Thomas, listening on WCBM in Baltimore. Hello, Thomas. How you doing, Frank? I am I've been in break rooms where uh, you put food in the refrigerator. If it doesn't belong to you, whether it's labeled or not, you don't take it. It's not yours. So why would you take it? Well, you know, I, uh, the, the thing with a diabetic, uh, you carry uh, and you uh, carry candy bars or whatever. Doesn't give you the right to take anybody else's food. I got it. I get it, Thomas. Or not. You're right. He did not do the right thing. But I guess my question is, does the punishment fit the crime? Should he have lost his job for this? I'm not talking about him losing his job. I'm talking about when you, uh, you know, if you take something in the refrigerator that doesn't belong to you, it's not yours. Yeah. So I, why take it? Yeah, well, first of all, so uh, in in the case of this man, Mr. Galloway, I think he legitimately did have a medical episode. Thank you, Thomas. You know, in my case, I am trying to do my best to enforce a company policy. The company policy, as posted in black and white on the refrigerator is – All food must be labeled with a name and date. And if it's not labeled with a name and date, it's out. It's out. So I'm essentially the enforcement mechanism here of these people that think, oh, I'll just store my food there in perpetuity. And honestly, I'm not joking here. I can't tell you how many times people have something, whatever, whether it's leftovers or whether it's lunch or something, a container of milk. And they just put it in the refrigerator, don't label it, and then they just forget about it. And it just stays there forever. And then eventually it not only takes up space in the refrigerator for those of us that want to put stuff there, but it starts to stink. 
So by not enforcing that labeling mechanism, the you know you're contributing to a moral hazard. So really, whoever wrote that note should really just be saying thank you to me because I'm doing us all a favor. I'm doing this for everybody. 800-848-9222. Gary is in Inwood. Hi, Gary. Good morning, Frank. Uh, point is as far as bumper music goes. A few minutes ago, you played uh, Paramia by Jay Black. Right. And I think that's the disservice as far as the power and the beauty of that song being used as bumper music. I think that's terrible. Why is it terrible? Why? Because you, you have a few snippets of the power and the beauty of that song. And that song should only be played it's in its entirety. All right. Well, hey, I, um, you know, look, really my opinion. Okay. I appreciate that, Gary. I mean, my view is, you know, a couple of seconds of a good song is better than none of a good song. But reasonable people can disagree, I suppose. 800 848 Marianne is in the Queens. Hello, Marianne. Good morning, Frank. Morning. Uh, well, yes, yes, you're right. Um, listen, I want to comment on the elections. I believe that the, the, the Republican Party, as always, they put themselves at the defensive. Why they got rid of a person when they don't have another one to take its place? So I believe that the main reason why we have someone that is not a Republican is because they did not plan or use any strategy. Because what they did, they just got rid of a liar and put in its place an enemy. If you give me to choose between both, I will take the liar. Well, because I, everybody lies. Yeah, Marianne, I, I think a lot of Republicans feel the same way. You know, in fact, uh, a lot of Republicans that I spoke to said, look, you know, maybe Santos was a bad guy, but he was at least voting the way we wanted him to vote. Now you're going to have somebody there that, for the most part, is not going to vote um, that way. Look, and I understand that argument. I also think character counts for something, right? I um, I, I know both Swazi and Santos personally, and I got to tell you, on a personal level, I like them both. If I were voting for one of them, I would probably vote for Swazi uh, because, I, you know, I, for a variety of reasons. But I totally understand where people are coming from. Look, I don't want the Democrats to control both houses of Congress. I think balance is important. You should have a, you know, it'd be not, not nice for any party to be in control of all the levers of government. You see what happens when that's the case. Things go a little too extreme. So it, this is one of those instances where it's party versus personality, right? I think a lot of this could have been avoided if the Republicans had picked a better candidate. Uh, again, you know, there's no shortage of candidates available, and we'll see what they do in the fall. 800-848-9222. Derek listening in Nevada, where we're very, very pleased to be heard on K-Dawn and the Nevada Talk Radio Network. Hey, Derek. Hey, I love your show. I love your uh, station. It's awesome. I listen to travel all over the country, and I always uh, stream it. Really nice, Derek. Thank you. What's on your mind? Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, What's the difference between someone taking a candy bar to deal with their diabetic problem or someone going into a store and grabbing a fire extinguisher to put a car fire out? 
Well, well I, I'll be honest. I think if you did that, if you if there was a car fire and you were to steal a fire extinguisher in order to put out the fire and potentially save some people from being injured or killed, I think that would be justified as well. Yeah, but a diabetic who's having a sugar crash is in the same situation. It's a fire. Uh, agree. Agree. I don't think he should have been fired. Yeah. I think it's perfectly justified, and especially because he made restitution. Exactly. I, I think this is a dramatic overreach. And, you know, I, I think he may have a point here, Derek, when he says they might have been out to get him. They might have had a reason that they wanted to fire him that had nothing to do with this. Yeah, that could be. Derek, thanks. 800-848-9222. Uh, Joaquin is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Oh, Hello, hey, Joaquin. Frank. You're going to cut me off. But anyway, uh, first of all, I got to thank Can't Mr. Dominic why. Carter because uh, he actually remembered and uh, wished me the best for my uh, recent affliction that actually could have killed me. All right, well, I'm one of these guys that doesn't go to the hospital for nothing. Yeah. And my arm flew up like the elephant man. Ugh. Sorry to hear but that. Anyway, okay. no, no, but th- thank you, Mr. Dominic Carter, for that. I really appreciate that. And what I'm going to say is this. Uh, also, to happy birthday, Mr. John Gotti Jr. I've met him twice. I interacted with him briefly, you know, as a, as a peon. Hey, uh, we I only have about a minute here, Joaquin. So uh, just okay, tell me right. what you want to talk you know about. What? Okay. All right. Valentine's Day. Did you take advantage of Mistress Day? No, I don't have a mistress. Ah, but you see, there you're wrong. You know what I did? I talked to my, I called my wife because we pass each other during the week, our work schedules. And I said to her, oh, hey, honey, your mistress day present is in the refrigerator. She goes, mistress? And she freaked out. You have a mistress? I said, yeah, my mistress is you. I got you this strawberry, chocolate covered strawberry. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Joaquin, good for you. I'm glad your wife appreciated that. I, uh, I think a good sense of humor is very important. All right. We'll talk Valentine's Day and more with our advice to the Lovelorn panel. Your influence counts. Use it.